0: Welcome to Bovine Banner with the Penn State Extension Dairy Team. Hello, everyone. My name is Amber Yitze, and I'm an Extension Dairy Educator based in Huntington County. Today, we have three special guests joining our discussion. I would like to welcome dairy producers, Brett Reinford and Keith Spiker, as well as dairy extension engineer, John Tyson. Today, we are going to continue the theme of protecting your land, protecting your profits with a discussion about methane digestion on dairy farms. Thanks for joining us today, gentlemen. Keith, would you like to lead us off with introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about your farm?
1: Sure. I'm uh, Keith Spiker. I farm in partnership with my brother, Kent. We are the third generation here at Kishview Farm in Belleville. We milk about 600 cows and farm about 1,000 acres. I'm primarily in charge of cows, and my brother is primarily the crop guy. I am also in charge of the digester. We installed our digester in 2010. I believe it was like February of 2011
2: when we initially were up and running.
0: Thank you. Brett, could you tell us a little bit about your operation?
2: Or Ken Amber. My name is Brett Reinford, and I am in partnership with my dad and mom and my two brothers. Our farm is called Reinford Farms. We're located in Juniata County. <clears throat> Excuse me. We milk about 800 cows and farm about 1,400 acres. We installed our digester back in 2008, and my role isn't necessarily looking after the digester. My role is... Um, primarily in the office, but then also I run our food waste recycling business.
0: Thanks. I'm really excited to hear more about what you have going on on your farm with your digesters. That sounds really interesting. So why was your farm interesting in installing a digester? When you first started, what goals did you set out to achieve with your digester? Brett, do you want to go first?
2: Sure. Um, So initially, our um, reason for installing a digester uh, was actually because of Uh, odor complaints that we were getting from some of our neighbors. And so my dad was really looking for a way to reduce odors and a digester seemed to fit that bill. Plus we could also potentially sell the electricity as well. And and when we installed ours, it wasn't a guarantee that you could actually sell your electricity, but uh, fortunately we were able to. So uh, initially it was to reduce the odors, which our digester did for us. But that was our first digester. We also built a second digester uh, here in 2019. It was up and running. And the the idea behind that one was to process more food waste as well as more cow manure as well. Our, our original digester was just, quite frankly, too small. And so the, the second one uh, helped us to uh, retain the manure and food waste in the digester a little bit longer to collect more of the the energy value.
0: Keith, would you like to share what some of your goals were when you first started out?
1: Sure. I think I think we were kind of the same. Uh, initial goal was basically odor odor reduction. Um, our farm is right on the edge of town, and town has kind of over the years grown out around us, and now we are. Directly across the street from a 300 bed nursing home our address has changed over the years we're now East Main Street in Belleville is our address and yeah you know, we were getting a lot of odor complaints as well so that was initially that was the primary reason for wanting the digester
0: So Brett you had mentioned you're co-digesting other organics so do you want to share with our listeners how you're utilizing the digester for other organics
2: Yeah. So I guess I need to give a little bit of a backstory. So when we built our digester in 2008, organics wasn't even part of the equation as soon as we built our digester we got a call from a company that was at the time picking up all of walmart stores and asked if we would put walmart's produce into our digester and uh we called penn state actually and and some other folks to see if food waste would work in a digester and and quite frankly it works very very well um so we've been taking food waste basically since we we started back in 2008 and since 2008, I think we've recycled a little over 100,000 tons of food waste. So we've we really made it a, a main focus of of our digester. It's kind of helped the cash flow it um, for sure and provide a little extra revenue as well. So since I actually came back to the farm, so I was I was missing in the equation for the first probably four years of the, the digesters working here on our farm. And since I've come back to the farm, one of my big focuses is, is trying to figure out how to generate extra revenue um, with a digester and uh, food waste and organics seems to be one way to do that. And that's, that's what I do for a lot of my time actually.
0: (laughs) And Keith, you're currently not using other organics. Is that correct?
1: Uh, No, we are not. We have in the past, very limited basis. We've, we've taken some uh, liquid food waste, like some grease trap waste. Uh, There was a time right after we started that we were, taking uh, liquid waste from a brewery. And I guess it's not that we wouldn't take it if it came along. We don't have a Brett who's in the office looking all the time. And I mean, it is probably an opportunity. If we had someone that was really ambitious to go out and find it, I think there's probably opportunity out there. But at this point, we're not doing that at all.
0: I think one thing our listeners need to be aware of, location is a big um, benefactor to that situation, too, where, Reinford, you are located along a very well-traveled highway, making it much easier for truck traffic to get in and out of the farm, making it successful for your farm versus where other farms may not have that convenience of truck traffic.
2: Yeah, I, I completely agree. That is true. And Keith and I aren't actually that far apart. And there's also two digesters real close to us. One being my my brothers as well. And it, it is somewhat competitive too. Um, <laughs> and so while it, it is out there, you know, we don't ever try to compete against Keith. If I know Keith is getting something, I won't undercut him. But uh, it's starting to happen more and more because folks need or farmers need the food waste now to keep their digester running because they're sizing them so big to put food waste in them. And it's caused a kind of a competitive battle here be, between us farmers, but uh, we try not to, to get in too involved in that, but it does happen.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. And, and that's part of the reason that we've not really pursued it aggressively. Our digester right now is our generator is running at capacity and our manure storage is sized at capacity so anything we take in it's not going to make us any extra money it's just going to make the flare burn brighter it it won't make more electricity since we're at capacity so it would have to pay really well for me to take it and it just not that that real high paying 15 cents a gallon waste is kind of those days are over i think
2: yeah, I would agree with you, Keith. That's a, that's a good point. How many, how many KW is your generator? I guess we didn't share um, that here.
1: It's 120 KW. Okay. And it's at capacity.
2: So our original one was 140 and our new one is 500 KW, but we are not, we are not at capacity. <laughs>
0: they're all very good tips to share and things that other producers should be thinking about when they are exploring the idea of, of installing a generator um, and a digester.
3: Hey, Andrew, this is John. One thing I wanted to mention here or get Keith and and Brett's take on it is that adds additional material uh, you have to handle. So is there things you've had to address, Brett, in nutrient management to account for, extra gallons of nutrients that you're dealing with on the farm?
2: That is a very good question, John. So we obviously have a nutrient management plan and we are able to balance that with the amount of farmland that we farm. We figure that food waste adds an extra three to four million gallons of liquid that needs to be spread on our fields. And fortunately right now we have just enough acreage to, to account for all of our manure as well as the food waste that we have. But that is definitely a limiting factor if you don't have the land base to spread the the food waste then you're then you can't really take food waste so yeah fortunately we have enough land and if we were to ever lose some of our rented ground that could add a little wrinkle to what we're doing here
0: good points thanks john so what things are you producing with your digester currently i know keith had uh, mentioned electric with his generator but what other things are you producing that you're using on the farm or able to sell
2: I can go first. So the thing that we produce with our digester is electric. So I think we're right now making about 400 kW uh, an hour, where we could probably get to 600 if we had more food waste or more manure, but we're not there yet. We also collect all the heat off the digesters, or at least our old one, because that motor is located next to our our milking facility. And we um, heat our milking parlor, all the hot water, the farmhouse that's here on the property, as well as our shop is, is heated by that. And our new digester, we just hooked up that to our calf facility, our group housing calf facility. And so we're getting heat off of that to, to pump into that facility to hopefully keep the calves a little more. Uh, comfortable. Uh, so we use as much as heat as we can. We dry corn with it as well. So it does save us some money for sure, because we're not buying the fuel oil or propane that you would typically have to do to generate heat. Um, we use all of our manure solids for bedding. So we used to sell that when we had extra, but uh, we, we don't. And uh, we've been using the manure solids since, since we started back in 2008. And it's seemed to work really well for us. There's also a digester generates renewable energy credits. And so um, that market is sometimes good some years and sometimes bad. And this year it seems to be okay. And so we sell a lot of re- renewable energy um, credits as well. So that's another revenue stream that our digester produces.
1: Yeah, we're, we're probably kind of the same as Brett. We, other than the electricity, we capture all the heat and it does heat the milking parlor it heats all the hot water for the milking parlor, which that's a lot of hot water. That's a real bonus. And it also heats the farmhouse and the shop. And then we do also sell the renewable energy credits. And we use the, uh, the solids for bedding. We actually were pretty concerned about that when we first started. Before the digester, we were on deep sand bed stalls And now we're on deep bedded solids And honestly, our somatic cell count is better than it was 10 years ago. Maybe we manage it a lot more aggressively. I mean, I'm sure we do, but we've found a system that works well for us. We compost them first and we're very happy with the bedding and don't miss the sand.
3: (laughs) From the electric production, how close are you guys to balancing out what the farm needs in electric versus how much
2: you have extra? So our farm produces more than what we need. And so we have extra to sell back. I guess, actually, before we built our new digester, we were about at 140 KW, we were about using, everything was almost getting used on the farm. So the new digester has generated all additional electricity.
1: We are generating everything that we use. So we have, in our net agreement, We have the home farm, two rented farms, and two farmhouses. And the the generator covers all of those meters. There's not a lot of credit left over at the end of the year. they do pay us once a year if we have a credit. And there's not a lot left. There used to be, it seems like the farm has grown and we're ending up using a lot more electricity, but we still have a small credit at the end of the year. Thank you.
0: So I'm sure there's other producers listening to this podcast that are interested in maybe exploring installing a digester. Brent, would you give us some suggestions on where to start? Who should they contact? Where should they look for money or any tips that you would give those producers?
2: Yeah, good question. I would start talking to other farmers that have digesters to get the honest truth about them. (laughs) You start talking to sales folks, they, uh, they really do sugarcoat it sometimes on, on how easily they are to work and, and how profitable they are. But I would start with talking to other farmers from there, especially here in Pennsylvania, talk to farmers that, that have been successful at, at operating the digesters and, and get their opinion on the digester companies. Because I know there's a lot of different digester companies out there. Not all digesters work, in my opinion. And so figure out who those companies are that those farmers have used and then reach out to them. And as far as getting funding, most digester companies that you work with know where the grant funding is at the state level and the federal level. So they can typically help you find those grants or even write the grants for you to make that process pretty simple. So first thing I would do is talk to other farmers that have a digester.
0: Keith, would you like to add anything that you would suggest Um, as well?
2: No, I think I think he covered it pretty well. I think I would
1: agree with him. I think I would be very careful talking to a digester salesman. <laughs> <laughs> I think there are several, there are a couple of well-known, reputable ag engineering firms in the state that have worked with a lot of digesters. And that, that may be a good place to start as well.
3: I'll just throw in my two cents as an engineer. Ag waste, manure, municipal waste digesters typically are not designed to handle what we deal with in ag. So I think these guys are right. Find a a digester builder that has done ag, knows ag, knows what it takes to handle dairy manure and or hog manure or whatever else is different than municipal sewage.
0: So Keith, for this next question, I'm going to come to you first. If dairy producers considering putting in a digester, thinking back to when you started, what is one tip that you wish somebody would have told you before you installed the digester that you've learned through trial and error? on your farm?
1: I guess my biggest frustration in the beginning was I was in charge of running the digester and there was really not much technical assistance from the digester company. It's a complicated piece of machinery and I spent a lot of time. I would say my tip to anyone else would be make sure that you have time to operate a diet and even now now that we're you know 10 years in and the thing runs pretty much maintenance free most of the time until it doesn't and then you know it I may spend two days that's all I get done is replacing a pump or trying to figure out what's wrong or when we first installed the digester I was actually the herdsman and the digester operator and that's too much of a workload for anyone, especially since we were new and didn't know how to run the digester, it got very little training, but the digester did, it, it generated enough of income that we were able to hire a herdsman then and take some of the, the work away. So I would say my biggest tip is make sure that you have the manpower to operate it,
2: especially for the first year
1: when there's gonna be a huge learning curve.
0: Brett, do you have any tips that you would like to share?
2: That is, um, well, Keith, um, kind of share what I was going to share. Um, I know we were joking about digester salesmen. You'll often hear or read that it takes 15 minutes a day to operate a digester. <laughs> and that is true on a good day <laughs> when nothing is wrong. But when things um, fly apart, yeah, it's not uncommon to get two, three days stuck into fixing something to get it up and going again and Figuring out why your gas why it isn't making gas or why your motor shut off or or whatnot. So unfortunately on our farm, my dad is is kind of a, the digester guy, and so he likes to tinker with it, and it it does take up a lot of his time <laughs> uh, when things don't go right. And uh, so that would be one thing. The other tip I would have is another selling point that that's digester salespeople will talk to you about is well you just just put food waste in it and you'll cash flow it. Well that's That's great if you can find it. (laughs) Um, There's enough digesters in this state that it is hard to come by. Uh, It's not like it's just sitting out there waiting for someone to build a digester and then it will show up. Some people get lucky like that, but uh, gone are the days of 15 cent tip fee for a liquid product. That tip fee is much, much lower now, and it's much, much harder to cash flow a digester, even with the cost. So a 300kW digester right now probably costs about $3 million without any grant money. And if you figure that you get half of that paid for with grants, you still have 1.5 million that you got to figure out how to pay for. And quite frankly, electricity is not going to do it. <laughs> so so that's where you need some other additional income to put into it to, to make it cash flow. and just be weary of Chasing after these things, thinking that it's going to be easy to run and, and cash flow quite simply. They do take a lot of work on both ends to make them work. Brett's point about food waste. I've
1: I've had a, you know different people come here to look at our digester farmers that are considering it and they're planning to cash flow their digester by taking food waste. And I tell them that the food waste business is kind of like the registered Holstein business. There are a few people out there that have made a lot of money at that. But if you're buying a farm and planning to pay for it, selling embryos, you're probably being misled by someone.
2: That's a very good point, Keith. And the other thing is, I guess, since I live and breathe food waste almost every day here, you know, there's also competition now from uh, digesters at municipalities. And uh, since they're, you know, government funded or client funded, um, they take food waste very cheap. (laughs) And so, so you're also not only competing against other farmers, but you're also competing against the sewage plants as well. Now prices of, of what you get paid for food waste are not going up just like electricity. It's, it's all trending down.
0: I'm so glad you two were able to join us today. you have had great tips and advice for anybody that's thinking about doing this. Any last minute comments before we finish up here?
3: I guess I had one more question was, has the digester done what you wanted it to do? You both mentioned odor complaints. Have they gone down in the last
1: 10 years? Yeah, absolutely. I hope I didn't come across as being negative towards digesters as the food waste is not a guaranteed cash cow, but overall, if I had to do it again, would I do it? Yes, I would. Very happy with the odor reduction even the manure that we spread on the field, you can tell it's manure, it smells like manure, and the next day there's nothing. I think it is our landlords that we rent from are, are very happy about it. They don't complain about us spreading manure. The other thing, I don't know, Brent, I would be curious to see if you guys notice this. The digesting the manure changes the pH. So the manure that we're spreading on our fields is typically about a 7.4 pH. And we've not bought any lime to amount to anything in about the last 10 years. So that's, that was a pretty big savings compared to what we used to spend
2: on lime. No, that's, um, that's a good point, Keith. Now we, we still buy a little bit of lime, but not much. I guess I even put that together. Maybe that does have something to do with with our digester and what it's doing. But also to your point, I also didn't want to sound negative e- either. I want to be realistic <laughs> as to, we would also buy an, another digester as well, what we did in 2019. So they must be doing well enough for us to to, to do a second one and, and, and build it bigger as well. They have accomplished what we originally wanted to do and that's to reduce odor. When you spread on the field, like he said, you only smell it for like a day. And we found, we started injecting some of our manure and when you inject it, you don't smell it at all. <laughs> Uh, and so definitely haven't had any uh, neighbor complaints as far as odor in, in quite a long time. Uh, so it does reduce odor for sure, but yeah, no, I, I still encourage people to build them. I just, I just think you need to do all the homework up front So you're not caught off guard with what they can and can't do in the future for you.
0: And I think you both have given really good advice to anybody that is exploring it and being realistic about how it has worked for you and really give them some good things to think about moving forward. Thank you so much to both of you for taking time to share with us today. Please plan to join us again next week as we continue our series on protecting your land and protecting your profits. Thank you.